0: You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter box. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. To get you ready for the upcoming high school season that starts on Monday, we have Rob Allison from PBR, Prep Baseball Report, to join us to give us an update on the top players in the Dubuque area and also all over the state of Iowa. Rob is the PBR Director (coughs) For the states of Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska. And I can tell you by looking in his office, he's got two white boards full of notes about players that he wants to promote and he wants to talk about. So Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast fans, we are in for a treat. Welcome Rob to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Nick.
0: This is an exciting day here for our listening audience. Exciting day for kids all over the state that get to start baseball on Monday. Rob, before we start talking... About the players, there are some people that might have little league players or middle school players that don't know what Prep Baseball Report is. So, what is Prep Baseball Report, and what are some benefits that you guys offer players if they would sign up or be invited to be a part of your program?
1: Uh, absolutely, you know. Obviously, this isn't a uh, an infomercial by any means. Um, but I I do think it's important to get the information in front of the, uh, parents and, um, get on the same page with what we do at, uh, PBR. Um, that's how we're most widely known with the, uh, acronym PBR. You know, that's not, that's not pro, uh, bull riding. Um, it's not, everybody asks me how much, uh, PBR beer I have in the back end of my truck. Um, (laughs) no, it's, it. it's prep baseball report and I guess ultimately in a nutshell, what we do is we're the third party resource that goes out and evaluates baseball players. Um, and then ultimately that information goes in two directions. It, I think we do a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the groundwork for, uh, all levels of college baseball for those coaches identifying and evaluating, uh, prospects and giving them the uh, most accurate realistic information we can in regards to guys and then on the flip side for the players you know kind of the same thing we get we give them accurate uh statistics information scouting reports video uh player rankings um just a whole gamut of things that ultimately can populate their profile uh, become a huge recruiting tool for them in regards to putting their information in front of colleges and uh, ultimately just trying to clean up the uh, process and uh, provide as many kids the opportunity as we possibly can about moving on from high school and playing at the next level.
0: Rob, I will say that whoever runs your Twitter feed and your website, they are doing an amazing job. I use your Twitter feed to find a lot of my information out about players, to report on players. And last night, looking at your website, your website is so easy to navigate. It's so user-friendly. It's so informational. So please let those people know they're doing a great job. Now, a player comes to your showcase gets invited to a tournament for the first time. What can they expect?
1: Uh, ultimately, I mean, we're going to start the day. Um, I always try to take a, uh, a certain amount of time just to talk to the kids, um, talk to the parents. Um, I think that's one of the huge advantages of PBR is we're state-based. Um, so you have PBR Iowa, PBR Texas, PBR Florida, Florida, um, we're in 42 states across the country and four provinces in Canada. Um, each one of those states has a a figurehead, a state director. Um, I'm one of the few with a uh, PBR that has multiple states. So there, there's probably a fine line between bravery and stupidity. Um, so, so I under I undertake that and you know accrue a lot of Marriott rewards points. Um, If I ever need to, I'll just stop doing baseball. I'll write a blog about the best gas stations and eating establishments in different towns and the quickest way to get from A to B. Um, I could always fall back on that, Um, so I'm on the road a lot. But, you know, we try to educate the kids, talk about recruiting, um, talk talk to them ultimately of, why they're at the event, what they're trying to accomplish, uh, but at the same time, then what they want to do post-event. Um, you know, I think you and I talked about this a little bit the other day. It's, you know, you, you have to do above and beyond. Um, you know, I know there's, there's still this 1970 mentality uh, here and there that if you're good enough, people will find you. And... You know, in, in some ways that's true. You know, if, if you're, if you're a good baseball player in the Dubuque area, um, you're going to be readily known in the Dubuque area and the colleges uh, right around the Dubuque area are probably going to be readily aware of you. And if that's your goal, if that's where you want to go to school, um, then that's perfect. That's a perfect marriage. Uh, you probably are going to save a lot of money and time and, emotion and everything else but ultimately I think a lot of kids that could be the best uh, spot for them or best thing for them to do but I think ultimately families and kids just want they want to know what their options are and the whole if you're good enough people will find you I mean yeah if you're six foot six and you throw 94 miles an hour and you know you're that last one percent type uh prospect um absolutely a lot of people will know about you because that's sexy attractive um it's going to catch a lot of interest but again that's the last one percent um do we give those guys their due diligence absolutely because i think we're pretty inclusive of trying to help guys that are going to maybe go to smaller schools uh, trying to help guys that are going to go ultimately to division one uh, upwards into, uh, professional baseball, our, our draft coverage and everything that we do. Um, you know, we try to encompass, uh, the entire group of kids, but you know, ultimately it's that, it's that other 99% that need some type of assistance and help. And that's what we try to provide. I mean, ultimately at the showcase, we're going to get all their measurables, um, run the 60 yard dash, uh, workout from an offensive uh, perspective, uh, work out defensively at their uh, primary and uh, sometimes secondary position. Uh, we're gonna, again, accrue all those metrics, use the radar guns, shoot video, uh, edit everything, put that into their profile. Pitching-wise, same thing, we're gonna evaluate them mechanically, uh, get velocities, uh, have them show their assortment of pitches, um, Probably evaluate. Ultimately, we're evaluating them, Nick, in two ways. You know, we're we're evaluating them from a scouting perspective, which I think somewhat equates over to like their prospect status, um, where we see their projection, uh, where ultimately we think they're going to be in three, four, or five years. Uh, probably what I do. More of just because of my background as a college coach, I I also evaluate kids uh, more, I guess, through the lens of a college coach, um, especially with the draft coming up uh, here in the next two days. You know, one thing I've noticed, you know, there's high school prospects that I've told major league scouts, it's I'm like <clears throat> you as a in. The, Sometimes people have a hard time wrapping their mind around this, but I I told scouts, like, this is a guy that you would like more than probably what a division one would like. And, you know, just the hierarchy of things, people are like, what do you mean? If, if he's good enough that a major league scout likes him, you would think he's good enough to play division one baseball. And I think the advantage that professional baseball has is, In the minor leagues, they're not worried about wins and losses. Uh, they're solely, uh, worried about development and giving guys ample opportunities to fail and succeed and have those players grow and develop and learn how to use all those tools that they have that make them attractive to MLB. And hopefully in three, four, five, six years, uh, you have a ready-made product that can compete at the major league uh, level. You know, the, probably the difference is at the college level, you know, that window shrinks down really quick. Like, you have to expect that an 18-year-old freshman is probably going to have a learning curve and some ups and downs and some things to figure out when they get to school. But they expect those guys to contribute and be productive and help them win games um, really quick. And if those guys aren't able to do that, You know, that's when you see the NCAA transfer portal start spinning out of control and guys moving around to different schools and finding maybe more opportune uh, programs to get playing time. Um, And there's just, there's some guys that's going to take them time. And, but the college game is wrapped completely. Yes, there's development. Yes, there's those other things, but there's a win now mentality. And there's there's just certain guys that that they need a different environment that maybe at times professional baseball provides to where the college environment uh, maybe doesn't at that time.
0: Now, Rob, I like I love how you said that you give players options. We've had quite a few players on the podcast and on upcoming episodes that said sometimes the Division One route isn't the best option for them and. Going either the NAIA route or a Division II route really helped them develop and propelled them into other prospects than going into a Division I and being the last guy on the bench instead of being the um, big fish in a small pond. Anything you'd like to add about Prep Baseball Report before we start talking about some of the players?
1: Uh. I think what I think what PBR offers is, I mean, we we just have a really good stage. Um, we have a good stage with good production, good lights, good music, good atmosphere, and we have the right. Uh, I think we have the right spectators and the right audience sitting out there watching those players' performances. I've always said, if you know. The best actor or actress in the world could be doing a play in Dubuque. Now, there's only going to be a certain number of eyes or acumen in Dubuque that is going to be able to evaluate that actor or actress on their performance. Um, But if you take that actress or actor and you put them on a stage on Broadway, that's got a lot more teeth and that carries a lot more weight and is probably going to give them a lot more opportunities no offense to the fine arts community of debut but I, I think uh, I think Broadway is probably a better stage now am I gonna am I gonna jump the shark and say we're the Broadway of baseball showcases and everything else uh, no but I think the uh, the platform is really good um, I, I think we offer a lot of things to players and I guess the final thing is we're not just Doing showcases is a uh, small part of what we do. Uh, like I said, from our draft coverage to covering junior college baseball to high school guys to showcases to going out and scouting tournaments, going out and watching uh, high school games, club team games. Um, ultimately, we're trying to get our hands and our eyes on as much information and see as many players as we possibly can. Uh, we just, we don't expect players to just run through a showcase, uh, create a revenue stream, put some information out and then go sit in our office for, uh, nine months. Um, what I do, Nick, is it's probably a lot like coaching. They say coaches, 10% of the job of coaching is actually beating it, being out on the field and coaching during the game. Uh, for me, running a showcase is about 10% of my job. You know, those are actually the easy days. Uh, It's everything else that we do that I think really sets us apart from anybody else in the market. And so we just keep plugging along and do the best that we can for uh, the state and the programs and the players and everything else.
0: Now, let's get into some of the players. I'm going to use a political debate term. You mentioned the... MLB draft coming up. So since you mentioned the MLB draft, let's talk about it. We got a player in the area in Calvin Harris. What are your thoughts on him? Where do you think he might be selected? What do you think would be the best options for him?
1: Wait, what was his name again? I don't, I'm not quite sure. I don't know who that is.
0: Calvin Harris from the Western Dubuque. Bobcats.
1: Oh, Oh, Calvin Harris. Oh, okay. Um, a uh, really good player uh really good player has a lot of ability um i guess if you're going to break uh guys down into two uh subcategories yeah you know, i guess to refer back to a little bit of what i was talking about sometimes you have really good i guess prospects and then in the other subset you have really good players and ultimately for guys to play at higher levels they're going to need to have some uh some combination of both uh calvin is definitely a prospect but i think one of some of the bigger things he brings to the table is just his track record of uh, success and his ability to dominate on the field um, that's always been something that's stuck with me is they'll be like hey this pitcher throws 92 miles an hour and i'll go and watch him three four or five times like my expectation, you know, and they'll say he throws 92, 93. This guy's a dude. He's a dude. He's a stud. Um, I'm not detracting on, on a guy like that. I just, but if a guy is a dude, a stud, like all these, uh, titles we want to throw on him, he needs to play like a dude and a stud. And when I go in, maybe I'm jaded, but I expect him to strike out 10 guys. I expect him. Not to be getting banged around the yard. Um, is he a prospect? Absolutely. Because 92, 93 just doesn't grow on trees. Um, that, that, that's a serious ingredient to use, but I want to see guys dominate on the field. Like if you, if you can't dominate in Iowa high school baseball, uh, you can't compete in the SEC. I mean, when you, you, when you make those jumps and move up levels, Like, you have to be ready to go. And, you know, for him, I mean, from winning a state title in football, um, I mean, he just – he's really versatile. He's good at a lot of sports. Um, He's not just good. He is kind of a point person in all those sports. Um, Really a ton of ability to hit, has natural feel with the uh, barrel. He just seems to square everything up. Uh, at the plate, whether it be in BP or in games. Um, pretty good throwing arm, uh, not great. Uh, I think the athleticism is interesting uh, behind the plate. Um, I think that's going to give him a chance to continue to develop. But then I think you can take the athleticism and he can probably be a utility guy that you can move around the field, play in different positions. Um, a lot of times in scouting, everybody wants you to put like a player comp on a guy, uh, compare him to a big leaguer, uh, those types of things, just so you can kind of have a visual to go along with the uh, scouting report. And sometimes, I guess some ways I view Calvin is he's almost like a left-handed hitting uh, Craig Vigio. Mm. Scrapper, gamer, um, always going to be in the lineup, going to be a contributor, and I mean, Vigio came up as a catcher, uh, played in the outfield quite a bit, settled in a lot at second base for the Astros. Um, just kind of a, a pillar-type guy for them. And But yeah, that, a left-handed hitting Craig Vigio would be uh, my player comp on Calvin. That's a,
0: that's a great comparison there. Now, I want to fast-forward to next year's draft since we're on the drafts. Um, topic here. And then we'll rewind and and we'll go back to some of the other players. But the top rated player on your board for next year's draft is Ian Moeller out of Dubuque, Iowa as well. And since I started doing this podcast, people will reach out to me and they'll want my bios and my opinions on players. And I always get asked about Calvin and I always get asked about Ian. And What I tell them about Ian is Ian is the best baseball player that I have never seen play. I have only ever seen videos of him taking BP or throwing. He doesn't play high school baseball in Iowa. He travels um, to different leagues and different teams to play. So what could you tell um, our audience, Dubuque and outside of Dubuque, about Ian Moeller?
1: Uh, athletic kid, um, very, uh, very centralized focus on, uh, development and making himself the best, uh, baseball player he can be. Um, I think he, he does have, from what I've seen, he does have that combination. You know, he, he was born and gifted with some abilities that not everybody, I guess, ultimately is born and afforded with, but, I think he's also that guy that's putting in an unbelievable amount of time and uh, energy into developing his craft and continuing to improve. Uh, In my experience, um, we we could go down a huge rabbit hole with this, but, you know, like Nick Saban, uh, the head football coach at Alabama, um, or Urban Meyer, people like that that are – that are uber successful, uh, Nick, those guys are crazy. Um, like how we, how we, what we would view as like normal work ethic, normal personality. Um, you know, those people are different. They're, uh, they're hyper-focused. Um, they, they're only looking at, I mean, they have a plot and a plan, but they don't deviate off that plan. There's an end game. Um, I just I just think Ian's locked in honestly. Like he he does, I think he does everything he possibly can to get to uh ultimately whatever his uh end goal is. I mean whether that be to compete right away at LSU or ultimately to be an All-American there or to get to major league baseball or I mean whatever his goals may be, I think he is he is uh laser focused on those things and grinds it out. And every good player that I ever played with or have seen through all the years, um, they just, that's that's all they cared about. Like they just, their work ethic was way above and beyond anybody else. Uh, their focus was way above and beyond everybody else. Um, they were just different. They were wired different than, what we would consider
0: normal, and uh, that's probably why they hurt really good and uh,
1: doing a heck of a lot more things than uh, what anybody else was doing.
0: Now, Rob, we did not come in with a plan. I gave you a very vague outline, and you're gonna spit fire, you're gonna throw out some names, you're gonna give us some quick scouting reports here, but let's talk about the Dubuque County area before we advance into the state. Who are some players? What are the what uh, high schools do they go to? What years might they be? And then just give us a a quick scouting report. We're talking. It could be Beckman, Cascade, Western, Dubuque, Dubuque, Waller, Dubuque, Hempstead, Dubuque Senior. Who are some of as you said before the dudes?
1: Uh, probably the easiest way for me to do that is break it up by grad class. That's how I. That's how I. There's a method to the madness of keeping all these. Uh, all the names uh, in my head. Let's uh, do it. I, I do want to admit, like, I'm really good with names. Um, that That's one thing I've been afforded. I'm really bad with numbers and dates. Um, <laughs> when I was coaching, like, we would be on the 56th uh, game of the year, and I would still have to have a roster in front of me because I would not know, like, my starting shortstop's uh, jersey number. Um <laughs> I carry a post-it note in my wallet that has, I mean, I I love my family to death. They're uh, my number one priority, but I have a post-it note that has all my kids' birthdays, my wife's birthday, our anniversary, all those things, because it just doesn't resonate in my mind. But uh, from the 2020 class, uh, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this later on. I might be in trouble. Um, The... Like, one guy I really like, 2020, I've been a big fan of him for the last uh, three years or so. I really like uh, Andrew Henry at uh, Hempstead. Uh, he's committed to uh, Kirkwood. Um, I really like the bat. Like, he can really bang it around the yard. Um, he's got a ton of offensive ability. Uh, bigger kid. Um, but still moves really well, has athletic actions, has good feet, good hands. Um, I think maybe, you know, I know he's doing a better job of trying to get his body in shape and tune some things up. know, he definitely has the fielding ability to stick at third. Um, I'm not sure about the uh, speed and uh, range. I mean, we'll find that out at the college level. But I guess worst-case scenario is he ends up playing uh, first base, being a three, four hole hitter, uh, run producer, uh, home run type guy, but he's not going to swing and miss a lot. The, you know, he's not going to hit eight home runs and hit 215 with 40 strikeouts. You know, I think he's going to have a high on base with some, uh, slugging production. So I think he, he's an interesting guy. Uh, one kid out of senior that I only actually saw him one time, uh, this last summer. And I saw him for about three innings on the mound, but I just loved the way he competed, was a kid named uh, Johnny Blake.
0: Uh, kind of a lower
1: three-quarter guy, um, low to mid-80s, uh, decent stuff, not outstanding, but I just think he uh, went after it. Uh, I think the day I saw him, they were playing Iowa City West, and uh, I just liked his mentality. He had a little bit of P&B in him. Um, you can guess the first word, but the second one's vinegar. Um, <laughs> but I, I just liked how he went about his business. Uh, Nick, you did say this had to be a G rated, uh, podcast. So I'm, 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 trying to walk the fine line. The,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we can do PG. <laughs> so,
1: you know, Calvin obviously is a, is dudeish. ish Um, he's got a chance to be really good, uh, Casey Perrineau, the right-handed pitcher at Western Dubuque, I'm a big fan of him. Um, I think his better days are ahead of him. He's going to uh, Southeastern Community College down in Burlington. Uh, so I, I think that's a really good fit for him. Justin Schulte, the head coach, down there is actually a, a Norway guy uh, from by Cedar Rapids. has had a ton of success developing uh, taking high school arms and turning them into really productive college pitchers. Uh, so I think that's a good spot. Um, going down to the 21s, the 21 class in Iowa in general is, uh, really deep, um, really talented. Uh, right now there, there's 18, uh, twenty twenty ones in the, uh, state that have made, uh, college commitments. Um, you know, obviously you got Mueller, uh, who's a more of a national type prospect guy. He's committed to Louisiana State. Uh, Logan Rundy, um, I like Logan Rundy from, uh, Hempstead. Logan's kind of a jack of all trades. You know, he'll catch a little bit. He could play first, third, um, switch hitter has ability on both sides of the plate with the bat will also jump on the mound like give you upper 80s with a lot of strikes uh he's already committed to iowa western community college out in Council Bluffs, iowa um the he's big for me uh over at senior uh cole smith um middle infielder for them uh Smaller guy, continuing to uh, develop physically, uh, can really pick it defensively. Has really good hands and feet, accurate arm. Um, he can definitely hold it down in the middle infield. I think the bat is going to uh, continue to develop as he matures and gets stronger and just starts to fill out a little bit. Um, but he's just kind of a gritty kid, plays hard, and uh, goes about his business and is relatively consistent. I like Jared Walter from Wallard. Um, He's got some two-way ability. He can swing it a little bit. Uh, Also uh, has good feel on the mound for uh, at least two pitches. Uh, Commands the zone with the fastball and then shows an average to above average breaking ball. He's uncommitted, but I think he's a guy that's gonna gather a lot of interest as we move forward. And, uh, I think in the Dubuque area, especially the, I think the 22 class is actually, uh, really strong. Um, I think part of that is just you're seeing a lot of, uh, the club teams, um, the training, uh, all those things are really kind of starting to embed themselves in the, uh, Dubuque area, giving kids opportunities to, take advantage of becoming better baseball players throughout the year versus just playing baseball two and a half months a year. Um, those types of things. But who do I like? You know, I like, there's only one twenty-two in the state of Iowa that's committed right now, and that's Tommy Speck from uh, Dubuque Waller. Uh, Tommy's committed to Illinois. He's an outfielder, left-handed hitter. Uh, kind of a long, uh, wiry kid. Um It'll be inter- interesting to see how he fills out physically. Uh, he's going to need to continue to add string. But the bat is really clean. I think he has some ability offensively. Uh, he's athletic. He can cover ground in the outfield, and he's got a plus arm, I think. I think at one of our last events, don't quote me, but I, I-, I think he was like, 94 95 96 somewhere in that range uh from the outfield so in kids terms dude he has a hose oh my gosh
0: he has a hose he's a dude um and you know, he did. all those things he did break your showcase record for outfield velocity i did see that in a tweet
1: he did he did over uh we've had in Iowa, we've had about six years of uh, events. Um, we probably average about eight to 10 events a year. So, I mean, you just do the rough math, 60 events and how many ever kids, I mean, that's a lot of bodies coming through the door and putting up a lot of numbers and everything else. And we, for him to do that, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, he's got a really good arm. He'll, like I said, he needs to develop physically, but he's got a ton of ability. Uh, you, have, you have the uh, middle infielder, Kellen Strohmeyer, over at uh, Hempstead, who's already committed to North Carolina. So I made a mistake. We have two twenty twos 22s um, committed right now. Uh,
0: I was going to ask you if he had decommitted from North um, Carolina. So thank you for clearing that up. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'm a lot better at 9 a.m. podcast since you made me get on at 8 a.m. I'm about a court low on my
0: coffee. You said 8 o'clock. We originally had had 2 in the afternoon scheduled, but my wife let me know that I had to do grocery pickup at 2 o'clock, so I shot Rob another, um, gave him the option. He's the one that picked 8 o'clock in the morning. But what can you tell us about Kellen Strohmeyer?
1: Uh, athletic kid. Um, I think he's really like he's really had some good performances and played well with the right eyes uh, sitting in the bleachers. Um, that can very well happen with prospects as well. I mean, sometimes sometimes as a coach, you when you go in to watch a guy, sometimes you're going to see him on his worst day ever some days you're going to see him on some of his best days ever. Um, you know, I think Kellen, he's had a lot of really good days. He's had a lot of best days. And I think he's had those a lot of times when he's been in really like optimal, uh, tournament situations, the right eyes in the stands. There's been quite a few schools in the country that have seen him play and he's played at a high level. And, uh, ultimately North Carolina knows what they're doing. Um, I, I like Kellen Strohmeyer. I think he is better days are ahead of him. Um, I'm a fan and obviously, uh, the Tar Heels are a fan as well. And, you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the salt, I guess. Like it would be hard for me right now as a division one recruiting coordinator because when you're looking at like 14, 15-year-old kids and trying to project out like where's this guy going to be in three years, um, sometimes it's easy to take the glass half full approach and really feel like the guy's going to develop and get better and everything else. Sometimes you, maybe you take the glass half empty and like for me, I would maybe have the glass half empty. Like, I don't know, like that'd be a lot of Pepto-Bismol and aids <laughs> and... Like, I would be hyper-focused on that guy over three years, and it probably wouldn't be healthy. Um, but they're in that interesting position, especially Division ones. You know, they're pretty all-inclusive. You know, they're looking at seniors. They're looking at eighth graders. I mean, they're looking at everybody in between. And uh a lot of times, I guess, a lot of times they're looking through a crystal ball and trying to figure stuff out that – I don't envy them for, you know, they're, they see, they see a guy, they see some things they like and they go after it. And so that's good for kids. The Nick, the one thing I was going to mention is I think you know, everybody talks about recruiting and going to college and the, they're different. Like you said, their, their path and what ended up being going to this one level actually ended up being a better fit for them in the big scheme of things. You know, here in the Upper Midwest, we only have seven Division One schools in like a seven-state radius, and there's only only so many roster spots to be had. But I think, in conjunction, I think Iowa kids, Minnesota kids, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Wisconsin—I think these up the Upper Midwest kids for me—I think are about a year, year and a half behind. Um, southern kids in their uh, development and amount of time they've been on the field and all those things. But I think the upper Midwest kids also have a better ceiling. Like they're not anywhere close to plateauing or peaking. Their better days are ahead of them. They're not going to be burned out <clears throat> by the time they're a senior in high school because they're playing on travel teams. They've been on the field as much. You have a lot more multi-sport guys. They, uh, their time and what they put into baseball um, maybe hasn't been as much compared to Southern kids, but I know, especially in Iowa, I mean, there's a reason why, I mean, there's at least five, if not six junior colleges in Iowa that, I mean, they'll be nationally ranked in the top 25 in the country. And I, I think that catches people by surprise. They're like, Junior college baseball, why would that be such a hotbed in the state of Iowa? And I think it's, it's the two things. I mean, it's lack of division one opportunities and you have some really good players that, that is their goal. That's their end game. And so the most readily, uh, way to still accomplishing that is to go to junior college out of high school and then those guys get to junior college and now they start doing baseball every day and really start to develop and improve and put some things together and then all of a sudden you know by their sophomore year like they're really really good like they're just as good as anybody else in the country and they're like you're like oh my god like i remember him from high school like he's going here he's going there and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's just I, I think the Upper Midwest kids are just on a little different uh, learning curve. I mean, you have like uh, Jackson Bennett from Dyersville, uh, really good athlete, really good player in high school, had things to work on, um, had to continue to mature and develop physically. Uh, he goes to Kirkwood. He has a ton of success. He accomplishes a lot of those things, and, I mean, he's going to Michigan State. You know, Michigan State wasn't, and it's of no offense to Jackson, I mean, he wasn't ready as a senior in high school to go to a Michigan State or or to do that, but through a year, year and a half of junior college, all of a sudden he's a guy that can go into a Michigan State and probably be an immediate uh, contributor for him.
0: And if I can insert a plug here, we have a Jackson Bennett Dubuque area baseball podcast that is being edited and produced and will be put out here at the end of June. We're all about shameless plugs here, Rob.
1: <laughs> I'm sp- anytime I was around him, he never wanted to talk. So if if you got if you ended up getting a lot of information out of Jackson, either he's Either he's really improved his uh, social skills, or uh, you're like Dr. Phil and can get someone to sit down and just talk about anything.
0: You know, he was a very well-spoken kid, uh, gave a lot of great information, so um, I would say he's probably grown and matured, because I am nowhere near uh, Dr. Phil, but thanks for the compliment. <laughs> Any? No, you're welcome. Any other players from the Dubuque County area before we venture out into the state a little bit?
1: Yeah, not to leave anybody out, but I mean some guys that that have caught my attention that I think have been consistent performers. I I like Aaron Savory at uh, Dubuque Waller. I think he really has a chance on the mound. He's... Some ways I would equate it like, he's a little funky on the mound. There's kind of some moving parts and different things going on. He, he almost looks like a praying mantis coming down the, uh, mound looking to, uh, tear your, uh, head off. And, but there's just a lot of deception there. He's got a lot of action on his pitches. Um, I like him. Uh, George, uh, Sherlock, uh, catcher from Hempstead. Uh, I like him as well kind of a high energy guy, uh, high baseball IQ, has some ability to hit, uh, has some versatility, which I think will be big for him because obviously Hempstead has Rundy who can catch. They have Zach Sabres who is a really good athlete and can play at a higher level behind the plate. Um, George is a Really good catcher as well, but has some ability in the infield and some versatility. Um, So Hempstead obviously has an embarrassment of uh, riches and catchers, uh, which you're not always going to find at the uh, high school level. Um, But those are two guys kind of off the top of my head that I I really like and I think are going to have chances to do uh, big things.
0: And then when we venture out into the state – now we're thinking Cedar Rapids, Davenport, Iowa City, Cedar Falls, Waterloo. Who are some of as you said before, and I've heard Coach Tischer say on past episodes, check them out, the dude. Who are the dudes in the state? Who are legitimate top prospects, draft prospects, and those guys, when they come in and pitch, they're going to be hitting 90 and striking out. 10 guys or they're going to go three for four with three base hits and their one out was the hardest hit ball of the day. Who are those dudes in the state of Iowa?
1: Uh, yeah. It uh, For me, I guess if I was breaking down all the different uh, Metro areas or uh, pieces of Iowa, you know, the Des Moines, the greater Des Moines area and the greater, uh, Dubuque area for me are the two biggest, uh, hotbeds in regards to, uh, prospects in the state. Um, there's, there's really, there's good players in Davenport. There's good players in Cedar Rapids, Iowa City. Um, absolutely. Uh, there's good players out in Western Iowa, but I think if you go pound for pound, um, all those, uh, Des Mo- Des Moines and Dubuque are probably the two. Des Moines and Dubuque are the two best areas for me um, in regards to prospects. Guys that are really good, that have kind of separated themselves. I mean, with the draft coming up, I think Carter Baumler from uh, Dowling Catholic and Calvin Harris are definitely the uh, front runners, especially with with it only being a five round draft this year. Um you know, they're clearly the two best guys in the uh, state in that 2020 class. Um, Ty Langenberg is a right-handed pitcher from Urbandale. Uh He's committed to Iowa. Uh, I actually saw him in March. I think he was pretty consistent, 90-91 on the mound. Uh, was also the starting quarterback at uh, Urbandale High School. Um, that's what's always really intrigued me about him is – I think he was playing and I mean I think he started at quarterback at Urbendale uh, for sure his junior and senior year and that that's just really impressive because you know Urbendale doesn't have like two kids fighting it out for the quarterback spot. I mean that's a that's a huge high school. Tons of kids, tons of athletes, tons of guys competing for starting spots. And if you're an underclass guy playing a premier position on the football field at a high school like that as an underclassman, like that's pretty special. That's, that just doesn't happen every day. Um, there's kind of a sidewinder, uh, sidewinder guy at, uh, Gladbrook, uh, Rhinebeck named Tyler Charter, who's committed to, uh, Kirkwood. Uh, he's been an upper eighties uh, guy touching 90, 91. Um, Really low three quarter sinker slider uh, athletic kid that I think is really going to turn some heads. The going down to the twenty ones. Um, Ian Moeller. Uh, Ian's going to be in draft discussions like pretty much starting uh, June because the draft uh, is on June tenth or yeah tenth and eleventh. Like he's going to be part of draft discussions probably starting June twelfth going all the way through till uh, next summer. Um, one guy that a lot of people now I know in the, uh, in the Mississippi Valley conference and the four, a schools on the East side of the state, you know, different people have seen him, but on a bigger picture, a lot of people aren't aware or know of uh, Marcus Morgan, right-handed uh, pitcher outfielder at Iowa city West. Um, that's kind of the double-edged sword with Marcus is he's a really, really good multi-sport athlete. Um, has college offers for football, is going to have college offers for basketball, college offers for baseball. Um, but he also gets pulled in three different directions constantly right now in high school. Um, you know, during, during baseball season, he's playing AAU basketball and going to doing seven on seven stuff um, while he's in season with baseball. And same thing when he's in his other sports, he's getting pulled in different directions as well. Um, but he's uber athletic. Uh, he has a special arm on the mound. Um, metrics wise, you know, as we're going into this new age of uh, thinking and how we're evaluating prospects, uh, but in layman's terms, his breaking ball is an absolute hammer. Mm. Hammer, hammer, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Take a seat. You have no chance to hit it. Um, he'll throw, I mean, upper 80s touching 90, 91, so the fastball plays. He'll throw strikes, and then he'll couple it with that breaking ball and you don't have a chance. I mean, you just simply do not have a chance.
0: He's the right handed <laughs> version of Barry Zito. It sounds like, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Zito had that big loopy, uh, high angled, uh, breaking ball, um, that it was like, I don't know. It's what we would try to replicate, replicate when we were playing wiffle ball in the backyard. <laughs> just was trying to create as much funk as you possibly could. Um, if you put the uh, if you put track man on Marcus Morgan uh, for people that kind of understand the numbers, like he'll spin his breaking ball upwards of three thousand, which that's revel- that's uh, rotations per minute. I mean that is spinning. Like that's the type of breaking ball when the guy throws it. The hitter and the catcher can literally hear it spinning and cutting wind as it, uh, is coming to the plate and it, so he throws it hard and it breaks hard and it breaks big and it doesn't do it until the end. Um, it's just, it's special. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, kind of where his interests lie and what ultimately he decides to do. Um, but I guess for me, my opinion is if he put more time into uh baseball, um, I think he would steadily climb into, uh, in that category of draftable draft interest and have quite a few people poking around on him. So it's going to be a little bit of guesswork. Uh, at the top end of the 21 class in Iowa, that's kind of been the story because the other, uh, I guess really interesting prospect that you're unsure of kind of what he's going to do is, uh, the guy out of uh, Ankeny named Brody Breck. Uh, Brody's about six foot four, six foot five, um, freaky, long, athletic uh, kid. Uh, here, I don't know, in the COVID era, I'm starting to lose track of days and weeks and months and everything else. But uh, I think about a month ago, he actually committed to uh, the University of Iowa to uh play football and baseball. Um he's a wide receiver in football and but he'll play center field. Um he'll also get on the mound. He'll he'll actually run it low nineties, maybe uh, touch a little bit better than that. And but it just oozes athleticism. Um he hasn't hit his ceiling. Uh everything he's done I think has mostly been on athleticism. I, I think you take a guy like that and you, you show him how to use those tools and how to be productive. And I mean, I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, but I think there's going to be some question marks does, you know, how heavily does a uh, football weigh into the equation? Um, if you're a major league team and you're seriously considering drafting him and signing him, is that a valuable pick if ultimately if ultimately if he's interested in baseball but loves football um, that might be a wasted pick you know so I think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of tough conversations and uh, things to be found out uh, through that
0: process. I don't mean to be distracting by shaking my head but you're opening up a lot of wounds here as an Oakland A's fan and losing out on that Kyler Murray. So this, no. is, this is bringing up a lot of stuff that's not going to sit well with me the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's a hard part of a uh, scout's job because they're going to go in and they're going to have conversations with uh, Brody Breck, and not to speak for him, but you know they're going to pose the question, Brody, are you interested in playing professional baseball? And I mean, 99%, the answer is, well, yes, of course. Like, why wouldn't I be interested in playing professional baseball? But in some ways, that becomes a pretty ambiguous uh, answer because, I don't know, how do you rephrase it? Like, no, dude, seriously. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how serious are you about playing professional? And just you go down this rabbit hole of, you know, I, I think sometimes a scout's job you're more you're more private investigator than you are evaluator of baseball talent um, because ultimately you have to turn that report into your bosses. They're going to make that decision, and if you draft someone and they all of a sudden flake out and decide they're not going to sign, that's on you as the scout. And the opportunity for you to collect a paycheck every two weeks and pay your mortgage and feed your family and everything else all of a sudden starts getting jeopardized a little bit um so i think there'll be some things to figure out with him but ceiling's huge the the 20 cl- 21 class overall is probably uh one of the strongest classes to come through iowa in the last five to ten years um, Right now, 18, 18, 21s are already committed to uh, D1s. And you have, like I said, you got Moeller to LSU. Morgan is uncommitted. Uh, a really good athlete out of Ballard named Sam Peterson is committed to Iowa. Uh, one of the bigger arms in that class is a kid named Jackson Wentworth. From Waukee, uh, he's committed to Kansas State as, as a two-way player, right-handed pitcher, third baseman. Um, I think he has nice ability as a, uh, position player. And, you know, who, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as you continue to develop and grow, maybe that does become his strength, but right now I'd say his strength is on the mound. Um, up to like 92, uh, maybe touch a three, good breaking ball. But he kind of has that position player mentality on the mound like he can just get up there and throw strikes um i've always laughed at that and i i I typically steer towards position players that's my mentality um but you know it just seems like those left side infielders even without throwing bullpens even without you know you're like Okay, get on the mound and I want you to play catch with the catcher and, you know, hit him in the glove. And those left side infielders are like, okay, I'm used to throwing at 120 feet across the infield and you only want me to play catch at 60? All right, this is awesome. <laughs> and, and sometimes they look at the pitcher onlys and they're like, you guys actually work on this every day? Wow, that's, it's gotta be boring. And, but I think he has that potential. Uh, Garrett Christensen is a, uh, left-handed hitting catcher from Urbandale that's committed to Iowa. Um, he's really got a chance to be a, uh, an interesting guy down the road. Um, still a little immature physically. Uh, I think he's going to need that time in college to develop and get stronger and those types of things. But the, uh, the talent and the ability is there. Um, a kid that really, uh, a kid that really made a huge jump in the last year is actually, uh, Tucker, uh, Langenberg, who's the younger brother of the 2020 tie. And I saw Tucker, well, i say I saw Tucker in August of 2019 and he was like 80, 81 miles an hour. Um, decent on the mound, nothing special uh just kind of what that's what he was at the time he showed up at an event in uh march and i think the first fastball out of his hand was either like 90 or 91. um you know over nine to uh ten months had made about a nine to ten mile an hour jump um and really i mean there's a year between him and his brother but they're very carbon copy-ish i mean they have very similar mechanics, similar arm action, uh, similar velocity. And, but he really came out of the woodwork, out of the weeds. Um, that was a huge surprise for me, not in a bad way. Um, but that, that wasn't something I was expecting. And, you know, those are kind of the main guys. You know, I think Moeller, Morgan, uh, Peterson, Wentworth, uh, Breck. I think for sure those are going to be guys that are going to be in those conversations as far as a possible draft, where they fall in the big scheme of things, stuff like that.
0: We know when we hear Mariano Rivera's music in the background, the podcast is coming to an end just like the game did when he entered. Stick around for closing time. I'd like to thank Rob Allison again from PBR for joining us and breaking down these local players and players around the state to get you prepared for the upcoming high school season. Rob, it's closing time of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Please promote or plug anything that you would like to before we sign out.
1: Uh, Nick, thanks for having me on. Um, I think the biggest thing I'm going to promote or plug is uh, the high school baseball season starting here on uh, June 15th. Uh, all the kudos and a shout-out to everybody at the high school association, superintendents, athletic directors, uh, high school baseball coaches. Um, they've taken a huge responsibility and are putting in a ton of effort to allow this season to uh, transpire in front of us. Um, they're going to be spending a lot more time doing those things and actually uh, probably doing what they enjoy to be doing, which is coaching. Um, but they've really put their foot forward and are doing everything they possibly can to provide this opportunity for the players. So I hope all the players and parents are realistic of that and on board and um, I wish everybody a uh, great summer season. I'm going to get out as much as I possibly can, see as many games, see as many players, um, just do what we do here at PBR. And then as we get towards the end of the summer, going into August, we have uh, some of our biggest uh, opportunities event-wise come up then. We'll be having our uh, top prospect games event, which – it's gonna be on August uh, 9th. That's for 2021 grads. Uh, and we'll be doing that at Mount Mercy University in uh, Cedar Rapids. Uh, that has been, you know, typically the who's who of 2021 grads are always in attendance at that event. It's in August. That's a huge hot period in regards to evaluation and recruiting uh, through college coaches. Um, that's just a big spotlight event. So that's a good opportunity. And then actually the day before on August 8th, we have our underclass, uh, prospect games, um, that's for, uh, freshmen and sophomores, uh, that kind of has a dual function. I think it's a good way for the younger guys to kind of just continue their baseline and see where they're at and development and improvements and those things, um, And then, obviously, for a percentage, I mean, that ends up becoming a really good recruiting opportunity just because they're a little farther along or they have maybe a different skill set. And we've had quite a few underclass guys get really good looks and ultimately make commitments out of that opportunity. But that's on August 8th as well at Mount Mercy in uh, Cedar Rapids. we have some other events going on across the state. We have some things going on out in Western Iowa, out at Iowa Western Community College is our host site over on that side of the state. Um, but honestly, Nick, like probably starting today, uh, once we get off this uh, podcast, the wheels are about ready to spin off for me. Um, I'm going to be running back and forth from Iowa to Minnesota, back to Iowa, the, Nebraska to Sioux Falls to here there and everywhere we got the high school season going on we have events going on in other states the draft which is going to happen over the next two days. Um, I'll probably go to the mall get a glamour shot of myself uh, give a copy to my wife and each one of my kids and probably three months from now when I reappear back home on a consistent basis. Uh, Hopefully they'll remember who
0: the hell I am. Rob, it's been great having you on. I hope we can do this again sometime soon. Best of luck to you and this upcoming season, and best of luck to the high school players. 643, we're out of here. Post-game show is brought to you by...
1: Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.